Yo, yo, welcome back to the Forward Podcast. I'm Lance Armstrong, your host for now. Probably will always be your host, um, like it or not. Hey, uh, like I say every week, any questions or comments, I still haven't changed my email address, although I talked about it last week. Uh, send me a note, the Forward Podcast at wedosport.com. We do is W E D U. Sport is singular. The Forward Podcast at wedosport.com. Um, right? I mean, who does? We do. That's what we say. We do. Been a been an exciting uh, week around the house here. I, I I was trying to recover from this trip overseas, which you know you guys know how that goes. It just kind of kicks you in the ass a little bit. Uh, trying to jump right back into kid life and actually. It's just really the life of a of um, of an Uber driver. I just drive kids around. That's all I do. But uh, that's been smooth. We had for the last eight or so years, we've had um, an amazing lady work for us, uh, helping us with our kids, um, um, named Katie Knoll. And so we had her wedding at our house this weekend. So congratulations to Katie and to John on a on a you know a beautiful. A beautiful relationship, beautiful wedding. We were so honored to host it, and uh, best of luck to you both. The most important thing, aside from your lifelong happiness, is the fact that days before, we actually challenged another wedding party to a kickball tournament down at Peace Park, just down the hill from the house. And so for you cycling fans out there, you probably heard of Lawson Craddock. He rides for Cannondale. He Back in the day, rode for uh, my team, Trek Livestrong. He's a great kid, originally from Houston, but now lives in Austin. Uh, Lawson was also getting married. So we challenged, Katie's uh, wedding party challenged Lawson's wedding party uh, to a kickball tournament. This isn't your normal kickball tournament. This one you actually have to, you have to hold a beer and a red solo cup in your hand. And so when you're kicking uh, or when you're catching, you have to hold the cup. If you drop the cup, it doesn't count. Uh, I was on Katie's team, my nanny's team, and I'm proud to say that we came away victorious. We actually won by five runs. We won 15 to 10. Nonetheless, good luck to you, Lawson, and uh, better luck next time on the kickball. Um, In other news, obviously tomorrow, a huge, huge day for... um, (laughs) For our country, I'm trying to say this in a very neutral way, but uh, tomorrow's election day. Please go out and vote, no matter where you are um, or who you're voting for. Um, I went out and I, I pre-voted, which was way easier than waiting um, until tomorrow. But uh, yeah, th- this one's this is probably the we all know this. We all we've all followed it. We've all watched the debates and read the news and seen the comments and seen the controversies and without picking a side this is this is obviously one of the most divisive elections we've ever lived through uh, but nonetheless uh, please take the time to go out and uh, and vote for somebody also how about the Chicago Cubs I mean I must admit in game seven like you know my dumb ass of course I go to bed like if I see a pillow I go to bed so I lay down and I fall asleep during the game and then I wake up the next day and all the headlines are about how it's the greatest 
game seven in the history of baseball, and I slept through it. But congratulations to them. Uh, I just want, I want Bartman at the parade. I want uh, Bartman at all the games. I want, I want Bartman back. And, you know, the other thing cool, too, is uh, we get a lot of emails with questions about uh, what's, you know, what what I've been listening to or watching lately. And um, I, I think I've mentioned this probably before, but I love documentaries. So I, like, I try to watch, especially music documentaries, I try to watch as many of those as I can. Uh, on a recent trip, I watched uh, the new Oasis documentary, which was which was super cool, done by the same guy that, that did the Amy Winehouse documentary, which I also saw recently, also highly recommend. And um, both of those, uh, amazing, both of those. I mean, obviously the stories that they can tell, the history and the lives they've lived is, is just, it's, it's, you just kind of have to watch it to believe it, if you believe it. I do. Um, but really, really uh, highly recommended um, on both of those. The uh, uh, my guest um, today is is an old friend of mine. He he was coming through town. He was here for the F one race some weeks ago, and he was here also meeting with a uh, a prominent company uh, here in Austin that makes coolers that's super uh, trendy and cool, and everybody wears their hats. I won't mention their name, but he was here meeting with them. Uh, his name is Kenny Dichter, and Kenny Dichter is—he's a businessman, and he's a hustler more than anything. Kenny, Kenny just out hustles everybody, and he's also a marketer. Like the guy, he comes up with the craziest ideas for how to how to tell the stories of his of his brands that he started. He's been uber successful over the years. Almost, uh, you know, some would say that he's he has the Midas touch. Uh, he started Marquee Jet, which was a uh, in in association with NetJets. He started Avion Tequila, which you probably, if you were for all you Entourage fans, you would have seen it prominently displayed in Entourage. And then his new company is, a, is another aviation company called Wheels Up. And for all you horse racing fans, you would have um, you would have noticed that that when American Pharaoh won the Triple Crown, all of a sudden. Uh, the jockey's uniform had wheels up all over it. The story of how they got that deal, because I was watching it and knowing Kenny, I was like, how the hell did he get all over this this jockey's outfit now? And it was brilliant. Um, so, uh, you, you, you know, you, for you aspiring entrepreneurs, I think you'll enjoy this. Um, again, he's not only, he's a smart guy, he's been successful, but I think the key thing, and I think he would tell you too, is he just hustles. The guy works. 26 hours a day. Wait, is that, yeah, 26 hours a day. Um, and he never turns it off. So I hope you enjoy. Uh, the last thing I'll say is, uh, tonight I got, I'm having a really cool dinner at my house with a bunch of, uh, down in my wine cellar, which we, a lot of times you've seen the pictures where we, where we record this podcast most of the time. Um, but a bunch of just interesting, crazy guys, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, Bo Jackson, Jesse Itzler, Todd DeBuff, Martin Franklin, Cyrus Walker, Roy Spence, and we're just, uh, and Ryan Holiday, uh, Dylan Casey, Bart Nags, myself, we're just going to sit down there and kind of break it down and talk through things. So I don't know, I'm going to have to persuade some of those guys just as a, as a little teaser or a little heads up. I need to persuade some of those guys to come on the podcast. So uh, wish me luck. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy Kenny. Talk to you next week.
Welcome, Kenny. And yes, people do cuss on the podcast, so you can cuss. I, I have gotten a little bit of grief um, via email and stuff, and, and my my um, we'll keep this, stepfather. Let's keep this one PG-13. Okay. You can say whatever you want. If it's appropriate, then you, you need to say it. Okay. I appreciate yeah, welcome that. to Austin, man. Thanks for uh, having me. Cheers. Cheers, bro. How's your ADA doing? The ADA is good. It's in check. And you know, and we're not talking about the American Disabilities Act. No, we're not. We're talking about attention. We're talking about attention deficit advantage. Uh, you know that, and my uh, my OCA has really been kicking in lately. Too, OCA, well, the obsessive compulsive advantage. So, <laughs> okay, explain. I know you've told me what that is before, but nobody listening knows what that is. What the OCA or the ADA? Well, a- ADA is listen. You know, they're uh, the medicating kids out there, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think you know, boys are probably in this country over-medicated. Uh, I went through school, and it wasn't that easy for me to concentrate um, at, in the classroom. And after uh, you know hearing about attention deficit disorder, I self-diagnosed my uh, self-diagnosed my deal, uh, which was ADA, attention deficit advantage. And you're using that to your advantage. Well, listen, it's uh, it's an entrepreneur's gift. <laughs> um, I want to talk about wheels up because it's and and I also I, I should and need to mention this in the spirit of full disclosure that. I'm one of your investors, and but that's not the reason you're here. We're not here to. You're not only an investor, Lance. You're a distinguished investor. Distinguished, a, fa- a founding investor. Ooh. Founding investor. Very special. So my return is going to be perhaps a little different than. Well, your your return is going to be with the people uh, like Peter Hockfelder, who's in studio, uh, who invested early. It's going to be uh, it's going to be strong. Good. You know, Good. You might have to give me a yellow jersey when okay. I finish this okay. stage up. Okay. We can do that. Okay. You should have one anyways. Okay, I'll take one off the wall. Give I mean, me number. These, you, give me what, what's the favorite one? Number three or four, or the first one? The, I would leave the first one here. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I mean, you have the, obviously the the planes are blue. You have now got some pink ones. I mean, maybe you should have a couple of yellow ones. Yeah. Well, listen, we can talk about it. <laughs> so, how's business? Uh, business is and good because I think I'm sorry to, to interrupt you, but most of our listeners probably. Outside of the commercials they see for Wheels Up, the placement they see with Wheels Up via golf. Yep. Or College Game Day on ESPN. College Game Day, exactly right. Or American Pharaoh, which Uh I want to have a special discussion about him because that still blows my fucking mind. Um, Just give us the the elevator pitch on on what Wheels Up is. Well, Wheels Up is a revolutionary new uh, private aviation membership club. Mm -hmm. It's membership versus ownership. You know, my last run with Buffett and Santuli and, and the crew at NetJet and MarqueeJet was really an ownership model. Um, I think we're in the experience economy. We're in the membership economy. The millennials and the super millennials like us, nobody wants to own anything anymore. So uh, what we did is we created a company that looks a lot more like Netflix than NetJets. And, uh, you know, the way it goes uh, is you join the club for nominal monies as it relates to private jet money. It's 17500 to join as an individual family member, it's 29.5 to join as a corporate. And we have a new membership called 8760 that's 59.50 to join. And um, the annual dues in year two are even lower than the uh, the, the, the first year. It's 8,500 for an individual, 14.5 for a corporate, and it remains 59.50 for the 8760 member. But very simple as you think about it like a golf club, uh, you, you put the money up and you join, and you have access to a fleet of brand new, King Air 350i's. Right, for the plane geeks, let's go through the planes. Right. Well, the, the two planes that we're running are the King Air 350i, which I would say for all the people uh, listening out there, that's the SUV of the sky. Mm. So when you think about the Range Rover and you think about the Jeep, 
think about the King Air. That's what it is. It's eight seats. Uh, it has range, uh, 1,600 nautical mile range, but in the real world, that's two and a half, three hours worth of range when you have a full load in the airplane. And we're priced at a very differentiated and understandable $39.50 per hour. That's $3,950 per hour uh, for the entire airplane. Right. And things, I mean, obviously, all the creature comforts, wireless, et cetera. It's a- Talking text now, you know, it's not just wireless anymore. You can use your uh, your own personal cell phone call anywhere in the world. Well, why didn't you answer my call when you were flying down here? Well, I just uh, wanted to keep us in, keep us in suspense. Which it's better we don't talk much before these. I found. I, I think that's right because you know when we get going in ten minutes, we cover what yeah. uh, we, we would deny the listeners. Yeah, that's right. We don't want to do that. Okay, so and business is cranking, growing. Business is cranking. We're going to cross uh, the the three membership tiers I just laid out. We're going to cross 4,000-plus members by Mm -hmm. year-end. It's 70-plus airplanes, and uh, run rate is somewhere uh, approaching a quarter of a billion dollars of turnover, of annual turnover. So it's it's going. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing about you, and this will end with American Pharaoh, is that you just – and you always find – first of all, there's two things. If somebody asked me about Kenny Dichter – otherwise known as Kenny D. I was like, man, the guy has the Midas touch. So he's a serial entrepreneur. 99% of the things he's done have succeeded. Uh, and number two, he's a marketing genius. Like he finds his way into these stories, whether it's, you know, whether it's, you know, a relationship with Ricky Fowler or J.J. Watt. It's J.J. Watt, right? J.J., sure. Spoke J. J. to him today. J.J. Watt. And then, you know, obviously this sort of coup with the Triple Crown and American Pharaoh was – it's my favorite horse. I'm, well, you'd be crazy if I mean. I have another. First of all, it's the only another, horse I, that anybody knows. But I, I tell you what, I have another guy, okay. that, another horse out there, and I want to be uh, kind to him because I could be one of the best horses ever. Is California Chrome? Is uh, we have a relationship with Chrome. We're undefeated. Uh, when we put the silks on uh, Espinosa, both Chrome and Pharaoh uh, are undefeated uh, with the wheels up. With the wheels up, that's what silks they call on, the, they, the they sil- call the get up the, the, the silks. silks. The silks. Yep. Wow. So uh, and yeah. you're out there like I like I don't ever watch horse racing, right? I mean, I, I mean, I, people, not, people the horse racing is like baseball. Like the people watch the World Series, they right. watch. You know, well, the I, I would say I'm not a I'm not a horse racing guy at the mm-hmm. core. Um, it was fun uh, walking Pharaoh off the dirt with Ahmed Zayed. I got Ahmed on the right bridle. I'm on the left bridle. I've never done this before in my life. I thought Pharaoh was going to kick me in the face. I'm bad. As we're going to the thing, he just was finished. Horses uh, scare the shit out of me. Well, I'll tell you what. This horse is a very kind horse and a very great demeanor. Demeanor. We pulled Pharaoh, Zayed and I, off the dirt. All of a sudden, I end up, This is, and I don't go to horse races, I'm in the winner's circle of the Triple Crown holding the, the trophy up on national TV on NBC. So... It was a it was a special moment, but the and, truth and, does. And the owner of the horse, I, I mean, he's wearing a wheels up hat. Well, that was part of the deal. I mean, this is well, that was the you well, can't Lance, you can't make this, it. This, up, this could be one of the greatest deals in sports marketing history. That's why we're talking about it. Okay, so I get a call on Thursday morning at six a.m. from a gentleman named Ben Sterner of the Leverage Agency in New York City. I, I follow this guy on Twitter. Yeah, ben you, Sterner. You may follow him. Ben doesn't didn't up to this point in time have any inventory that I would consider wheels up level inventory. Right. So. Ben would have, you know, if Puerto Rico was playing, uh, you know, called the United States in water polo, he's he'd, he'd offer me the bottom of the pool. Yep. Uh, you know, he, he he was very big in badminton, and he would offer me every, badminton. every deal that he ever saw and did, he would offer this to me. I tell you, he offered me 100 deals over 10 years. We didn't never did any of them. But I, I, I love the way that Ben pitched, and he's just a good kid. Yeah. 
And uh, we always had him at our Super Bowl parties, our our Masters things, and I treated him like royalty because he he tried hard, right. like hustler. like Rudy, yep. from uh, from the, from Notre Dame. So he calls me up Thursday morning. By the way, wakes me up, and I say, Ben, I don't want to do a diving competition between UC Irvine and uh, and Nevada, Las Vegas. I'm not interested. Don't no he? offense to the divers from UC Irvine and. Oh, by the way, know, that's with with incredible respect to them. But like I said, but with no disrespect, of course. But Ben offered me a lot of different things like that. And uh, he calls me Thursday morning, wakes me up. And uh, at 6 o'clock, I said, Ben, I'm not interested in a diving competition. And uh, he said, no. He goes, I have something really special that you could do. And I said, what is it? And this is Thursday. Saturday is going to be the, uh, the triple crown race with Farah. He said, I made a deal last night with Ahmed Zayed. And I have the rights to sell the silks to somebody. And I have about four hours to do it because they start doing media at 10 a.m. I said, Ben, I love you, but I know that you think you have the silks for Pharaoh. He's about to win the triple crown. There's no way you have that. I said, call Zayat. He does the old uh, patch the phone together and uh, adds a phone call in, and it's Zayat. And I said, uh, Mr. Zayat, it's nice to meet you. I'm Kenny Dichter and Wheels Up. He goes, I know who you are. I know Wheels Up. Uh, I said, Is, do you, in fact, have this inventory on Espinosa, who was the, uh, the jock? And uh, he said, I do. And uh, he said, I'm willing to make a deal with you right here. I don't want to say because I uh, told him I'd never tell the real number. But right. it was a very understandable number to me. Right. He said, if you... You can tell me later. Okay, I'll tell you later. Uh, we, he says, if you wire me this figure, um, then you can have it, have it. But you need to wire it to me by 10 a.m. I need to know that. I said, here's the final... Here, here's the only bullet point that matters to me in this deal. Right. I said, does your horse talk? He said, no, the horse doesn't talk, but it's going to win the Triple Crown, this and that. So it wasn't said, like Mr. Ed or anything. I said, who's going to do the interviews? I said, the horse is going to do the interviews. You're going to do the interviews. I said, it's important to me that from the time that that wire hits your account, that you, I'll give you half a dozen wheels up hats. I said, I don't care where you are, what you're doing. If we make this deal, you have to wear that hat, just like the horse is going to have the jock wear the, uh, the silks. You got to wear that hat from now, when we're getting off the phone, till Monday evening. I said, if you can say, give me a verbal. I said, I know you're a man of your word. He said, it's done. Get me the hats when you get the silks over to the, the, the jockey. And that was it. That was it. And by the way, Good Morning America, 11 o'clock. CNBC, 1 o'clock. Right. And sure enough, Ahmed Zayed was on the air and wearing the wheels up hats. So. And, I mean, but Ahmed Zayed is deep. Deep, 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 deep. So why, why, did, why did he necessarily care, I guess? is, is well, I think, he, he just, You know what? I think it was really about getting the, having the horse look right with the right brand right. on it. Having something and and he, he told me, he said it wasn't about the money or the deal. He said it was really about the partnership. I wonder how Sterner got that deal. Sterner There must got, have been everybody lined up, the IMGs he, and the— You and know the, what? Sterner probably outmaneuvered or you know outlasted. He got the deal, and I would say for the leverage agency or for Ben, that was, a, that was his moment. You know, your first, uh, yeah. your first tour— Good for him. This, that was his first tour. Yeah. Good for him. Good I mean, for him. There's always right. that stuff. Yeah. Um, you got a similar story like that, which you've told me in the past, and I, I want to ask you about the story around in and around Avion Tequila. Sure. And I thought you were going to hit me with the 846 flat, which I know that you know you think about a lot, the uh, the New York Marathon, marathon story. Oh, let me make a note. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you. I'm so I, glad you're doing the uh, eight hours, 46 minutes. Flat. Hold on. Flat. Flat. Well, we... we I had a dream about that last night or two nights ago. So really? wild. See, and it's just destiny that, and it's funny. I was on my, I was on a ride today, and you emailed me. That's right. And said, "I'm coming in. I'm there 20 hours. What are you doing? Let's catch up." Yeah. Da, 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 da. I'm not shitting you. 
20 minutes later, a kid we work with, who you met in New York, uh, said, dude, we got to get Kenny Dichter on the podcast. Are and you I, kidding me? And I wrote him back and I go, check your email. And so I forwarded, I just forwarded your email to him and said, well, today has been a magical day. We had a couple of things oh, happen today that was like, you, could, you couldn't even line it up. But that's funny. Was this the guy that was over with us at, uh, at the Italian joint yeah. in New York? Yeah. So he knows I'm a plus one eater of scratch order. <laughs> he, uh, he, he, whatever he, he knows, he, 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 thinks you're, he thinks you're the shit. Like I said, I mean, I, when you put the meatballs and you put the bolognese in, in front of a guy like that, I mean, you're going to have a lasting impression. Okay, so let's talk. I want to, I want to, I want to finish this. I want to talk about Avion tequila. Okay. Because number one, I love tequila. Is that is that tequila any good? It's great, great tequila. It's award winning, but it's not your tequila anymore. You sold it. Well, it's sold a, the company. It's always mine. You know, when you give away a daughter, and she's married, you know. To I don't want to talk about that. Okay, me either. Um, not right now. Avion tequila. Uh, no, one of them Hold I will on, give you, away. You, you, I will give one away. Okay, but you know, right so, now, you know, in Spanish and in Spanish and uh, French, yeah. Avion is airplane. Okay, so. right. So you take you take your. We didn't go far away from what we knew, right? To name and help. I mean, you're an brand. airplane guy. You had Marquis Jet. You, 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 that was your, that was in your blood. Yeah. You just you borrowed the name. Used, we, yeah, we used. borrowed the balance sheet. <laughs> borrowed the balance sheet, and but I, but I want to forget the balance sheet and the name, but how you got it placed in entourage. Remember sure. the time you told me the story about... Re- relationships. Right. Doug well, you're the king of relationships. You're Doug the, Allen. They, they, I read an article about you a little while ago, the Kevin Bacon of the business world. Yep. Um, I had relationships. Listen, as you know, Lance, I always say uh, I'm probably the lowest SAT, lowest GPA uh, founder, CEO, to sell a business into Buffett. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're coming to the, to, the, uh, to the fight with that kind of ammunition... You better be a good guy and be good to people. And, uh, you know, I think relationships carry the day always. And Doug Allen was somebody. That's valuable advice. I mean, that's, I don't, I think people, they get pounded with other stuff. Yeah. Listen, it's not about Stanley Kaplan or the Princeton Review. It's about uh, how good, how good have you been to your teammates? Mm -hmm. You know, how good a friend are you? Mm. But I think relationships carry the day. I don't care what the technology of the day is. I think human relationships, as long as we're, uh, we're still walking the planet and talking and, uh, and, and, and our eyes are still uh, still working, that uh, relationships are going to be really, really important. And Doug is as important a relationship as any to me. Mm-hmm. Um, well before Entourage, uh, before Entourage was an idea, uh, Doug and I met back in Merrick, Long Island. He was a friend since we're, you know, five, six, seven years old. Uh, Doug went out to try to make it in Hollywood. He was a stand-up comic and a writer. Uh, came up with this idea uh, called Entourage. Wrote the, uh, the the pilot, which is what you need to do in Hollywood if you want to get a show made, right. and he took it around to every studio and every production house, and he got uh, no. And as a salesman, uh, you know, I always tell my young salesmen at my companies that no never means no; it means not now. So Doug was a grinder. He didn't take no, and uh, he shared a agent or a manager, uh, Lev, with Mark Wahlberg, mm-hmm. and uh, Lev took this idea to Wahlberg and said, "Hey, Mark." Doug Allen, one of my young clients, has this idea for a show called Honorage. And uh, Wahlberg said, well, why don't I try to walk Doug into HBO, uh, where Mark had uh, some great action going. Sure enough, with Mark's uh, cover, Doug was able to get a pilot done in HBO, and the rest is history. Right. So fast forward to Avion, um, or actually fast forward to relationships. This is when we were at Marquee Jet, um, when Doug was having his early success at, uh, at the uh, HBO Entourage you know, level. And, uh, we were able to bring people like Tom Brady, uh, 
LeBron James. Um, guys Bo- that were using guys that were flying marquee. Bono. Um, Who's that? He sings sings a couple yeah, of songs. Irish singer. Yeah, Irish folk singer. Folk singer. Um, but the uh, I think the most powerful cameo came with Matt Damon. Uh, Matt was a guy that was flying with us for a long time, and I would tell you, everybody out there, Matt is an unbelievable regular guy. He's it, it, A plus. A He's plus. One of the greatest guys. I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna with. I'm gonna bump you up on there. A plus plus. There you go. So unbelievable guy, and uh, I was just brainstorming with Doug. How are we gonna top LeBron? Or how are we going to top some of these people? And uh, I said, well, what if we get uh, Matt Damon? He said, Kenny, I've been in Hollywood now 15 years. Movie stars don't do TV. And HBO is still considered TV. I said, all right. I said, but Matt's obsessed with charity and philanthropy. I said, he's got this thing called water.org that he's heavily involved in. Um, He's got just some unbelievable stuff that he does. I said, what if you wrote a show, a full hour of Entourage, or a full 45 minutes, and had Matt Starr in it, and have him chase down Vinny and Turtle and the other guys for a big charitable donation to his real charity, okay? And it was called One by One. Doug said, Matt will never do it. He said, it's a great idea. He said, Matt will never do it. I said, before you even waste any time writing this thing, I said, let me call Matt and do my little Kenny D pitch. So I called Matt, and I said, Matt, I know that this is, uh, Doug told me this isn't likely. But I said, you've been so unbelievable on the charity side. I want to help you amplify that message. I said, what if Doug took a big episode and had you playing you, so you didn't have to play a character. You play you and you chase down his characters. He's now in season four or five for a big charitable donation of the oneby1.com. Matt said, if Doug will write that, I'll do it. So I said, I called Doug back. You know, I'm going back to telephone now. Doug, write write the episode fast while, while Matt's still fresh. Doug, I think, went and locked himself in a room. Two days later, he came out with an unbelievable episode, um, and the episode was called "Give a Little Bit." And uh, sure enough, Matt got the the episode. They started uh, they started collaborating on it, and Matt did it. And it was, you know, one of the greatest moments I think in in, in Doug <laughs> being able to direct and and write for Matt. Uh, but really, what that did is it cemented Doug and I, and uh, I I became somebody that Doug ran ideas by with the show and. Anybody that's a big Entourage fan is Turtle had a business that was uh, cars and models and leasing cars and and, and almost like shoes. It was gear, uh, yeah, sneakerhead. Yeah, whole. but it was a car service with um, girls that were working as models. That was like the the thing. And again, like you said, he was a sneakerhead to the side of that. Doug said Jerry's character Turtle is much more sophisticated. He needs a real business uh, to do. And at that point in time, serendipity. I was working on with Ken Austin, who is the founder and the the CEO of Avion, a concept called uh, Avion Tequila. I told Doug where we were, which was we were just starting it. We just had a bottle. And he said, can I give that bottle to Jerry's character and have him run with it? And I I didn't even know what he meant. But basically, Avion was getting a cameo. But the cameo turned into 17 episodes, and he created a character named Carlos Avion, and Mark Cuban ended up being an investor in Avion on the show. And uh, it, it took a life of its own, which was to the side of the real Avion that we were uh, we were doing to the side. It was like parallel worlds. Right. And sure enough, uh, that really helped uh, Avion, you know, garner some visibility. Yeah. I think it also helped Doug. And, you know, he was able to turn this thing into something we never could have turned it into in terms of a, its own character in the world. Yeah. And uh, Avion is probably the number three or four tequila in North America today. Hmm. We were lucky enough to partner with Pernod Ricard and 
partner with them, and uh, they took the majority of the business uh, two years ago. But it's these moves, I think, that are so interesting to me. Like, you know, and you could call it relationships, you could call it luck, you could call it smart, you could call it a lot of things, or, or all of them combined. But I mean, I think that's the thing that that makes you special, man. That makes you Kenny D. And, and um, I mean, those those deals, the way they line up, and then just turn on for you got to admit for relatively nothing. Yeah, there has yeah. to be some that you passed on, and you're like, oh man, why'd I pass on that? Sure. I mean, you know, you can't do everything, and you yeah. can't be everything. What's your biggest regret? On on, on something not not your biggest regret in life, because I know you got a few. But oh, of course. There must be something you're like, ah, oh, shit, we should have done that. We should have slapped that brand on that. Or, well, you, you know, miss anything big? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that you know your 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 most valuable commodity as a business person or an entrepreneur is your time. I'm not one of those guys that said, oh my god, I miss Google or I missed uh, Facebook or mm. any of those things. Because ultimately, if you're in the airplane business, if you miss the deal, you catch them on the back end because they need your fleet. Yeah. So uh, you know, if if we miss the deal, if we can get it, uh, you know, meet somebody and they start flying with us. We have a laugh or a beer about it and uh, and go from there. So, again, I have a, a great business for, for my personality, for someone with ADA, uh, private aviation, which allows me to be in business with and meet. You know, how, how do we get together? It's not uh, – I was the guy – when you if we were 11 years old, I was the guy with the moped on the block. Mm. When you were running around in France and doing your thing – and by the way, we met really through the Livestrong right. uh, when you did some stuff for us at Marquee and NetJet. But, you know, how did we meet? We met because I'm in the jet business. and. Uh, and, and, and you needed a jet, right? You know, so I can that that gives me a lot of I think advantage over other entrepreneurs because I get to see a lot of things and meet a lot of people. Yeah. You ever fly commercial? I try not to. I try not to. <laughs> I always fly commercial now. Yeah, I know that's you, all I fly. Yeah, it's off brand. I'm exclusive. Well, I would tell you, I'm a brand guy. Right. And I, and I would tell you, Lance, you know, I, I I have a lot of thoughts about your brand and your go forward. You know, flying commercial for Lance Armstrong, it's off brand. It's nice that you see the people. And listen, you've always been a man of the people. Right. But uh, not, you know, not always. That's but, not true. But Lance, you're, you're, you're Teterboro. You're not LaGuardia. Uh, Newark. We're Newark. <laughs> we're, we're United. EWR. <laughs> EWR. Yeah. You fly, you're flying up front? You're flying? Uh... Wherever. Okay. Don't, we don't need to get into me and where I fly. Okay. Well, listen, like it's my business. <laughs> it's my business. But everybody out there, I would tell you, I've been around uh, people and places and things. And uh, Lance was one of the greatest private flyers there ever was. He actually owned a... Uh, couple airplanes in his time and he helped us out at marquee and NetJet. and uh i would just say as a partner and you go back to relationships we've been running together for feels like 12 15 years mm -hmm. um you know and i would just say that the sign of a good relationship or a real relationship or a strong relationship is it's thick and thin right you know when you no, you've been in lean in lean out we've talked we talked about this all the time last time i was with you yeah lean you, you either lean into people when I mean, we, we were just talking a little bit ago about our mutual friend, Billy Bush. Yep. I mean, how many people are leaning out on Billy Bush right now? I would tell you, Billy is one of the greatest, first off, businessmen. Yeah. You know, I know he his trade is TV and his trade is journalism and reporting. And I would tell you, Billy's as good as anybody at that business. Unfortunate timing. Uh, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. You think about a, a drive-by. You know, Billy was, in my view, an innocent bystander uh, on something much bigger than him. But, yeah, you lean in and... And I know this, this goes down, right? I mean, and then this is where I've tried to. He's going to be, by the way, I'll just say it for the audience. Billy's going to come back in some other configuration more successful than he was. And he was at the top of the game on the Today Show. Yep. Uh, Billy will come back bigger and better than ever. Yep. I know that. But, you know, for him, and we don't need to get down that, that rabbit hole, but I mean, that's the point. Like, when, whether it was the Lochte story or the Trump, 
you know, the, the, the tape that was leaked a few weeks ago, um, you know, you, I mean, he's probably looking at his phone. I mean, who, who's, who's leaning in, right? Yep. So that's why I was like immediately like, hey, Billy, dude, hang in there, man. That's right. I'm sure. He meanwhile, there are people that. So then you get, and I've talked about this a lot. I mean, the, that was probably a surprise to him. He was probably like, "Holy shit, Lance just texted me." Right? Yeah. You don't expect that one to come in, and the one that you do expect to come in doesn't come in. Yep. So that's the one that's leaning out. Yep. And so that's you know that's that's what happens with crosswind and headwind. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that you really learn, and you've been through a lot. I've been through a lot. Billy's going through something here. You really, it's a it's a great opportunity to really reevaluate and take inventory yeah. and see who see who's leading it and yeah. see who your real friends are. It's a colonic. Yeah. You ever had a no never mind. <laughs> Do you even know what that is? Yeah. Isn't that for your late show? That's that, that, that's a, the late show with Lance Armstrong featuring high colonics. Uh, I know you do, I know you do, back to real stuff. I know you travel around a bunch and talk to business schools and young yep. young you know uh, emerging entrepreneurs or well, you know, I talk to these entrepreneurs in these business schools because in today's world, they're one deal away from flying with me. Exactly. It wheels up. So That's I want, smart. Yeah, but I, I actually- work it for you. Yeah, you know what the truth is? You really want to, when you, I just did Wisconsin. I spoke to five or 600 young people at the School of Business, the Entrepreneurial Studies. You know, when, when I got up on the stage with the professor, I just said to myself, you know what, Kenny, inspire 10, 15, 20 people in the audience. Mm-hmm. If you can inspire that, then, then you had a great speech. And, you know, so you go and you just want to transfer some tribal knowledge. You want to transfer some, you know, if, if people walk away from hearing about what I'm doing, I want them to say, I could do that too, you know? And uh, I just think if you can, you know, transfer some of that enthusiasm and transfer some of that, I can do it. I'm not going to take no for an answer. No never means no. Right. You know, never let school interfere with your education. Some of the Kenny D-isms, right. that one barred by, from Mark Twain. Uh <laughs> You know, that's where you want to be. But you must you must have three or four or five sort of points or, or uh, you know, main tips you give or, I mean, you're, you're Kenny D. There has to be. Yeah, I just, listen, I think that. Because I know you've told me a few. Yeah. Well, one of them, you're not, you're not following. Don't fly commercial, Lance. It's okay, bad. Well, that's, that, that, that's. You know, it's going to, it's going to add time to your, uh, you know, to, to, to your miles and to your, uh, to your things. But it's okay. I'm there. But you no, know, the three, the three or four things that we talk about. Yeah. Listen, I mean, it's core core value stuff is that if you believe in yourself, you know, don't listen to anybody else. If you believe in yourself, you believe in your idea, you know, it's only one person that's going to effectuate that. It's you. And, you know, all the, all the great entrepreneurs that I get to be around, they're great at being able to get other people around them to help them execute their vision. There's not a lot of true single, you know, people, one guy in a room or one gal in a room making something happen. It's about energizing a team and it's about, Having people, the great entrepreneurs have teams around them that help them execute their vision. Yeah. And t- talk to me about this idea of failure versus pivot or failure and pivot. I think failure is important. I think that nobody's ever gone undefeated. Right. You know, nobody you know. Well, I know one thing that is. What? Oh. All right. Um, I think that, you know, failure and uh, not getting the desired result are, are part of any process of, you know, really understanding what winning is. How do you understand what winning is if you don't understand what failing and losing is? Right. And you can never enjoy it, you know, in, in the same way. So, you know, I would say with pivoting and failing is, you know, the great quarterbacks never lost a game, ever. Right. They just they ran, ran out, out of time. They ran right. out of time. Right. 
And uh, I just think it's the same way with uh, entrepreneurs. You either run out of time or money. It didn't mean your idea wasn't good. Right, but then you pivot. You pivot and you got to go. You know, you right. got to go and find another angle to hit, you know, yeah. another, another, uh, another hole to hit. And that's, uh, you know, that's, that's what makes the great entrepreneurs great. You know, the one, the times I've been around you and, and, uh, you know, you have this ability to just sort of hold a table, hold a room and the, the times I've been there and we've walked away and, you know, two or three weeks later, somebody will bring it back up. When you start talking about the idea of having your home restaurant, oh. like, I think that's people like, how about what I did to you in your home restaurant when I brought that crew in during that rainstorm in Austin? What? Remind you, me again. So we're down in a wine cellar somewhere. Okay. One of Lance Armstrong's home restaurants. Maybe Jeffrey's. Was it Jeffrey's? They had great wine and yeah, everything else. It was Jeffrey's, back before it was redone. And, yeah. and Whatever it was, you were in the middle of winning these things that you were eating very daintily and disciplined. You went out to the bathroom after, after people were getting wine, and I, we were starved. Just starved, you know, like primal starved. The, the, the waiter comes by, knew you were out of the room, and we said, just bring, bring everything on the left bring everything on the left side of the menu. You walk back in the room as they're bringing these things and go, who, who ordered this stuff? Right. Who ordered this stuff? So we disrupted uh, you know, a home restaurant there. But going back to my deal is every great salesperson that I've ever met has a home restaurant, which means for the listeners out there, it's the place in your town or your city where you walk in there and it's like Goodfellas, but it's your movie. Uh, the maitre d' knows you, he hugs you when you walk in. You don't have to get a reservation because there's always a table that they'll make happen for you. Uh, when your guests are around, uh, you know, there's no menus. Right. They come to you. Oh, and they, let me order for the table. Yeah, let me let me drop, let me let me take care of this for the table. I, I worked this out with the chef, you know, that kind of thing. That That's when you know you're in your home restaurant. Right. So when you're bringing, you got clients coming in, they think they're just, they think they're well, so it, special. Well, in sports, they call it home field advantage. Right. So. And with Marky Jet, you had Mr. Chow's. Well, I, I, Mr. Chow's, which you know, I, I, I later moved it over to Philippe. Okay. Uh, Philippe Chow to Philippe's downstairs. That's right. That's right? right. And you've got the. You so I was Mr. Chow's early, but Philippe did it in right. a different way, and uh, they gave us our room downstairs. Right. So where's the wheels up home restaurant? I would say that you know what I'm a loyal guy. You know, Philippe mm -hmm. is 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 one of the places that we still we still rock and roll at. I'm not doing as many dinners as I once did as a 20 and a 30 year old. I would say that. You know, Lance, we talk about this a lot. The great athletes play hurt or ride hurt. The great salespeople and entrepreneurs eat hurt. Mm -hmm. But I would say when you get into your 40s, it's more difficult to eat hurt. So I'm trying to do less of the big dinners out. You know, when you come into town and, you know, the last one we hit was a 10 out of 10 at Da Silvano. Yeah. So I would say if you're talking about my home restaurants now, you still have Campagnola, New York City, 74th and 1st, back center table. You have Da Silvano. I like to be inside in that circular table right. 12 deep there and then you got philippe which is if we got a bigger party and we want to do 20 to 24 down in that we go down room. to the uh yeah. to the wheels up cellar at philippe cellar. Yeah. yeah is it called the wheels up cellar now yeah it's been because uh, it was the marquee jet cellar well that's what happens that's what happens when you transfer things around let's talk let's let's finish by talking about because this is this is literally in this audience the well well you want to hit the 846 flat only getting, because it's important well i, I want to definitely get to it because People that listen to this podcast, I think, like I had Malcolm Gladwell on a few weeks ago, and we had this fascinating discussion. Gladwell wrote the new new. Was that him? And Blink and Tipping Point. And, yeah, Tipping Point was yeah, good. And uh, you know, being that I'm an ADA guy, I read a few pages. I read the back cover. You're with me. I'm with you. I watch an I, interview. I, I read the newspaper. Yeah, I skim the newspaper. Don't read books. Okay. So don't talk to me about who wrote what and who okay. wrote there. But but we had this discussion about 
endurance sports and triathlon and, and he was a great runner so we talked about gladwell running. was yeah it was he was a 420 miler when he was 14 years old really canadian jamaican mother british father raised in canada guy it's I mean, like alexander he's, hamilton he's a freak yeah he's a freak but so but I, the audience you know that surprised them knowing that malcolm gladwell could run a 420 mile when he's 415 uh, when he was 14 us talking about changing the order of triathlon. What if it wasn't swim, bike, run? What if it was swim, run, bike? What happens? I mean, it's a random discussion, but people are like, holy cow, that's that's fascinating. Right. My point is... What if it was dessert, main course, appetizer? Right. That's That, that would be less interested in that, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. But there would be some. But my point is that some of these people love the discussion around endurance. And you have the ultimate endurance story. I mean, well, who has ever run an 846 flat marathon? And I would tell you, the thing is, it's deceive. It's a deceiving number, Lance, because the way I approached it was I didn't train. Uh, you know, I just went out to the Verrazano. Which is very rare. Most people train for their To the Verrazano Bridge. I walked around, I would say, I walked around a few weeks before when I knew I was going to do it. How much did you weigh when you started it? The marathon itself? Yes. I want to say a good 232. When I finished the marathon, before I ordered... 44 pounds of Chinese food, I was probably, I probably lost 10, yeah. you know, during the race. But You started 232 pounds. Two, 232, 510 and a half, 232, um, and I started the race. But the thing was, I, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I end up in this runner's village. You know, when, when a Lance Armstrong does a marathon, he's got like four state troopers taking him to the front, so it would be that was true yeah i'm just saying i know how i know how you roll it's you know the guy from ethiopia that's number one in the world the kenyan lance you know the right. guy from america that runs the, the you know the 214 everybody's up front um i would tell you as a regular marathoner or somebody who was towards the back i ended up a, a runner's village i told you there was a bunch of people from europe that were you know up there and some people from canada and a few people from not new york outside the thing people you know, were, you know the story well, yeah. okay. people using the bathroom out, they're going to the bathroom uh, outside. They weren't even using the porta potties. So all of a sudden, yeah, they're I'm just in, going right there. One number one and number two. Number one, number two. I never seen anything like this before. You know, I'm a I'm a civilized locker room, uh, you know, basketball playing guy. Next thing I know is I'm in a you know a, a place where people are going one and two, one and two, one and two. I was you know just trying to weave my way through there. I would tell you before I got to the starting gate, which was 45 minutes after the gun, after the starting gun, I was weaving my way through uh, ones and twos. So just fighting for my life, basically. I end up on a starting line, and I literally stand there because there's 26,000 people in front of me, and it takes me 45 minutes. So I start the race minus 45. Now, my chip on my, chip, right. my chip tells you the whole thing, but think about a guy with ADA that's now been out pre-racing for two hours. My, I'm ready to go home and go to sleep. Right. I mean, my sensor, my, you know, I felt like when I was eight years old, I used to get dragged uh, with my mom to go shopping because she didn't want to leave me home or whatever. You know, I'd, I'd get in, I was in that zone. Like my, my mind was blown two hours before I even got to move. I get up to the starting line and I, I, I finally get up there. There's people running five, six minute miles behind me, almost knocking me over. Right. So I end up the first two miles of the 846, I probably probably pulled a, you know, nine and a half, 10 minutes. Ten, well, it would probably be 10, 12 minutes for me. Mm -hmm. Five and a half, six minute miles, which is for me, that's, that's full out sprints. So after two miles, I hit the wall. I hit the wall at the edge of the, edge of the 24 bridge. 24 to go. 20, 24, 365 yards to go. By the way, I'm not really just a two-in from the race. I'm two and I'm weaving around Runner's Village. So I'm probably four hours or three hours into this thing, and I hit the wall. 
So I'm on uh, that that road in Brooklyn, I guess Atlantic Avenue or whatever you coming off the the, the Verrazano Bridge, and uh, the pack starts pulling away from me because I think mile three, mile four, mile five, I must have done in 18, 18, and 19. You know, so I got into a, a comfortable slow walk to try to recover and try to get my, my my second wind after hitting the wall at mile two, and then I finally got into a rhythm, a good walking slash half running walking rhythm. I'd say if it was on a treadmill, it felt like three eight, you know. So three eight, I, I probably went three eight for about twelve to fourteen miles. So I'm about four hours into the race, and I'm approaching the Queensboro Bridge, which is that little one right before you go into Manhattan. Mm-hmm. As I'm crossing the Queensboro Bridge, the pol- police officers kind of like accost me and almost stop me because they're ready to open traffic up. Basically, the race is over at this point. Your last. I, 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 there were other people that I saw, but I must have been close to last because the, you were going to be DQ'd if you didn't get across the bridge. The guys are on megaphones yelling at me, you got to get over this bridge in seven minutes or you're out of the race. And I'm like, I've been out here four and a half hours. This is my first marathon. The guy says, start running. Stop talking and start running. So I start going. I get across the race. Literally, this car, is, it's opening up. I'm weaving myself through traffic to get to First Avenue, 15 miles into the, the deal. I get onto into Manhattan. I told you the story. I lived two blocks from there, seventy yeah. fifth and first at the time. So I'm saying to myself, "This is going to be a great six hour day. I'm going to go home and order some Chinese food. I'm going to watch the marathon uh, highlights, and I'm going to sneak home." I met a doctor, David Zaslow, at mile seventeen, seventy six year old guy who was running his nineteenth marathon, and he tells me very quickly that he doesn't feel great, but he has to finish. His family's at the line, and that I need to at least take him to the Bronx. And he needs a companion. So all of a sudden, I had some purpose. I'm about to turn off the 75th and 1st. By the way, the stations where you pick up water and, and like nutrients. Aid stations. Okay, I never even heard of what they were because by the time I got to them, Lance, yeah. they were shut down. So I would only know I got to another mile if I saw crushed cups. Right. So what I had to do when I wanted to be hydrated or needed something to eat, I'd have to go to a deli with my number on, wait online. You know, go to the thing and then they give the people my money and then get back in the race. So, uh, you know, self-service stuff. Yeah. So Dr. Zaslow and I, uh, we go to mile 20 in the Bronx. It's By the way, the sun is now setting. It's freezing. And I look at Zaslow. I say, I gave you the Bronx. I'm done. I'm going to walk back to 75th Street. He says, you got to come with me. I can't do this alone. So I looked at him and I I, I just, you know, something inside of me said, gut I was check. the gut check. Time time to go with Zaslow. I checked him. I said, how long have we been out here? So we've been out here six and a half hours. I said, Dr. Zaslow, what time did they take the finish line down? So we end up going through the Bronx. We make a couple of wrong turns, finally get across to Central Park, the top of Central Park. Mile 24, 25, the pickup that I needed to get around the last thing was Zaslow's, um, Zaslow's wife and kids and grandkids started reversing from the finish line and looking for Dr. Zaslow. So they were actually on the, on the race course, and they they've met us at mile 25. Yeah. And everybody which likes, is hilly people think people not easy so i'm walking last miles there are tough. i'm walking with the zaslow family from mile 25 to mile 26 to the finish line i got you know i'm, I'm in a group of ping they have apples they have pie i'm eating it as i'm going and all of a sudden <laughs> out in the distance about five six hundred yards out i see a, a group of city workers taking down the finish line so the digital clock is now sideways and there's people on ladders so i look at zaslow and i said we got to hit that we got to hit it so we can get across this thing. I guess they take it down at 8.30, but some someone left it up 
uh, for good reason, you know, because I was coming across in 846. Kennedy was coming. So I said to Zaslow, we got to step on it, lose the family, and we got to go hard for the next five, 600 yards because they're gonna, we're not even going to be able to go through the sign. And you actually have the photo of the, the, of the clock. I have the crooked. photo of the clock crooked. I'm getting one of those. First off, I did the whole marathon just to get that silver aluminum foil right. that they put on you after right. the race. And, uh, and they gave me a medal. Uh, and they gave Zaslow a medal. I got a couple of shots. And by the way, I leaned when Zaslow and I were crossing the line. I leaned so I took him, you know, to finish. You know, we were trying to do like the hold hands right. deal. But right when the picture was taken, there's a picture of me leaning in like American Pharaoh. Right. Uh, he and, was 84601. Oh, 102. You know, I mean, I'm, <laughs> my, so uh, they give me the thing. I'm, I'm shaking from hypothermia at this point. And uh, the crazy thing is, this, this is now, I've been out there two hours before the race started. I'm 846 on the clock. And there's no taxi cabs or there's, you know, because this is pre-Uber. There's no way for me to get home to 75th. And I just trucked it across the park in my, walked it in my aluminum foil, shaking another two miles. So I probably did like 30, 31 for that day. And uh, that was it. You know, that's my New York marathon that, story. 2002, by the way, 2002. You know what? You might end up being the... Uh... Wills Up might end up sponsoring the New York City Marathon one year. Yeah, no you, doubt. You should. You'd be an honor. You'd be in the. You'd be in the NYC Marathon Hall of Fame. The only person that ever did that <laughs> shit that you just described. By the way, it's one of the greatest days I ever had. You I missed thought, the part about stopping for Chinese food and loading up a little bit. Well, that, loading a little. Well, what happened was I didn't stop. I made a phone call from my That's cellular right. phone. He met me on the corner with the stuff. I did it on the fly. I didn't stop. I slowed down, <laughs> but I didn't stop and eat. Kenny D, man, thank you for being here. I appreciate it, it was, Lance. I, I feel very enlightened now. Well, every everybody out there, I would say that look, this is a long-standing relationship, and you know, I've been able to build my build my business on relationships. And when uh, Lance and I had a little serendipitous uh, texting today, I told him I was coming into town. He uh, he invited me on the podcast, and uh, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. But speaking of texting, you are the only person in the world, and if anybody that's ever got a text from Kenny D knows this, you capitalize every word. I'm going to give you three letters that's going to explain all that. A, D, A. No, but that, that takes so much effort to capitalize every... And I mean, like, if you say, well, hey, yeah, how this, are hold you? Hold on, this, this is from a guy that was climbing hill. You know, you were going up... Matter. Weren't you going 45-degree angles or 38-degree no. angles? Yeah, or something like, suction cups. Yeah. Kenny, thank you. Thanks, Lance. Yep. The forward, everybody. The forward. Listen to the forward. wheels up. Yeah, the forward and wheels up. Thanks for tuning in to the Forward Podcast. Like, uh, like I said at the top of the show, if you have anything you want to say, if you have a suggestion, please, God knows I need suggestions, um, or questions, or concerns, or criticisms, or whatever, let me know. Send me an email. Send it to theforwardpodcast at wedosport.com. I know it's long. I know it's a little confusing. The forward podcast at we do w-e-d-u sport singular dot com the forward podcast at we do sport dot com 